Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I want to say it's always such a blessing to me to be able to worship like that with you. And we do continue worshiping even as we go to look at the Word of God. That's part of our worship. But I want you to know something, that, that this team, this worship team, you know, the sound and, and the video guys for the first service and everyone, that there have been people who have been here over four hours today already, okay, to serve in this way. And all of them have been here over three hours. So uh, I think let's give them a hand, huh, for their faithful service. And certainly it's, it's not just them, you know, you drive in the park and there's guys parking, there's people in the foyer there in hospitality and, and all the people who give their time to work with the children downstairs. It's awesome to see the body of Christ at work. Well, we've been talking about the way. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, the Christians were not called Christians yet. In the book of Acts, they that name comes up, but when it comes up, it's actually a derogatory term of how they talked about Christians. But what we see is in the book of Acts that Christianity, what we think of Christianity, real Christianity, genuine Christianity, is called the way. Okay, now I'm not saying we need to go back and call ourselves the way, that's not the point. But that's what it was called, and, and the way implies a couple things. Not, it's not that there's just a way to believe, there is the way to believe. Not just a way to live as Christians, there is the way to live as Christians. And uh, this all goes back to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, that's right. And so we've said, if we want to be real Christians, genuine Christians, um, not just we have a salvation relationship and our sins are forgiven, but really live like Christians, we gotta go back and see how did Christians live and what was essential uh, to live out the Christian life. And so we saw a few weeks back that the first thing we have to do is surrender to the Lord, right? We surrender to the Lord. That means we have to say yes to him about whatever he says. You remember Jesus said, you gotta follow me unreservedly, holding nothing back, or you can't be my disciple, okay? And so we saw that. Then we talked about the second thing we need to do is we need to grow to be like the Lord, that our growth is in a direction. We are growing to become like Jesus, Okay, like the Son of God in, in character and, and an approach to life and in our hearts, all of those things aligning with who he is. And, and we said that when Jesus left, the Son of God left, he, he put some things in place for us to use to grow. Uh, so when the God's Son left, he left behind or sent back God's Spirit. Uh, excuse me, I got myself out of order here. God's uh, Word, right? And then God's people and God's Spirit. And we have to connect properly with all three of those things to really grow the way the Lord intends for us to, the way we really want to, and when we want to uh, live lives as the genuine, real deal kind of Christian. So in this area of grow, we, we, we talked about that God had left his word for us, and we said that we have to saturate ourselves with the word of God so that our thinking begins to transform into thinking the way God thinks, that we see things the way God sees things. And, and so it begins to change us and how we think changes how we live. And the word of God, it says, is alive and goes in and works and, and makes a huge difference in our lives. So we have to saturate ourselves with the word. And last week we talked about the people of God, that he had left us each other. 
Now you remember, this is a verse that often shows up on plaques and it says, um, you know, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst, okay? And really that's in the context of Jesus talking about the church doing what it's supposed to be doing. Had some specific instructions there. But so the idea is this, when we get together to do what God wants us to do, Jesus is there with us in some very special way. And so we need to properly connect with each other on purpose in relationships, on purpose relationships that focus on our shared relationship with Christ, uh, relationships that are built in and around the word of God and our fellowship and trying to live the Christian life out together. And then we have to do that on purpose or it won't happen. And so we need to on purpose, on a regular basis, be connecting with God's people to grow to be like the Lord. And that brings us to the Spirit of God. And so what we want to do today is consider what, how does that work with respect to our growth? Well, Jesus, before he left the earth, he was getting ready to leave and he, he talked to his disciples about what was going to happen. And in John chapter 14, he said a number of things to them about the Holy Spirit. He says this, I will pray to the Father and he will give you the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, both that's the same person, the Spirit of truth and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I will not leave you, I will come to you. He's not going to leave you orphans, he's gonna, I'm going to come to you. And so, who's coming? At that time, who was coming, the Holy Spirit or Jesus? What's the answer? Yeah, yes, they're both coming, okay? But the way Christ comes to live within our lives is through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus was here, the Son of God, he was God in human form, right? And being God in human form, that physical Jesus, the man, he's one place at one, any one time, okay? But what he does is he, he, he sends us the Holy Spirit now, who is God not in human form, but the Spirit of God who now can indwell all of his people everywhere at all times, okay? So he has sent the Holy Spirit to us. And um, what we find is that there is a spiritual realm. Now we look at this world around us, right? And, and we live every day with things we can see and touch and smell and hear, and, right? We have all those things. That's the world around us we live in. And uh, we can just totally ignore the spiritual realm. We can, I mean, we shouldn't. And as Christians, God's going to be after us if we're trying to. But I'm saying naturally we could do that. Uh, but what we need to understand is that there is a spiritual realm. There is a realm in which God works, the spiritual dynamics and things that are going on. Uh, it's interesting that the word spirit is mentioned 346 times in the New Testament. Um, different uses, but all with reference to things that are spiritual in nature or spiritual connections. It says uh, that spiritual the, the spiritual dynamic is connected to all sorts of uh, this list of things, gifts, words, people, food, drink, rock, a spiritual rock referring to Christ, a spiritual body, a spiritual man, spiritual blessings, spiritual songs, armies, understanding, a spiritual house and sacrifices, and probably more I didn't find. Uh, but so it's showing us that there is a place where the spirit, the spiritual realm intersects with this world that we live in and see and function. And of course, it tells us that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, God's Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of life, and again, probably some more that I, I may have missed. That 
Here's what I want you to understand, okay? Let this soak in here. There is clearly a spiritual realm that is not visible to the human eye. It's not accessible to scientific measurement. And it's a spiritual realm that is very much a part of our lives as Christians. So we need to understand it. And, and how do we respond to it? What do we do? So let's go to our Bibles. Let's turn to the book of Romans, chapter eight, and try to come up with a, a good understanding of this, of the spiritual realm, the spiritual dynamic. Romans chapter eight, page 1300 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. Romans chapter eight, the apostle Paul has been talking about what God has done for us in Christ and how he has freed us from the power of sin and death and um, talks about the struggle we have in the Christian life and how do we deal with it. Then he gets to chapter eight and he says this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So let's stop there for just a moment. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, any person who has come to understand that they have sinned against a holy God and that their sins have separated them from God and if they die in that condition, they will be separated forever in hell. But they come to understand that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that he, he uh, is the savior. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, rose again. And so when a person comes to that point and realizes it, and then they by faith choose to receive Christ as savior. Okay, so they, they make that decision. Sometimes we call it getting saved, converted, being born again. But we're saying when they receive Christ as Savior, we've talked many times that every sin is forgiven. We receive eternal life. God himself moves in and begins to, to work in our lives. Uh, but what I want to stress you, he says there's therefore now how much condemnation left for us if we've been saved? Who took our condemnation? Jesus took every bit of the condemnation for us. And so once we receive Christ as Savior, we will never ever again be held accountable, guilty for that sin in eternity. It's done. Jesus has paid the penalty for it. That's good news, isn't it? And sometimes, do you ever feel like you're still condemned? Sometimes we do, but that's when we've got to come back and get in the Word of God and say, let it transform our thinking. Wait a minute, no, I'm not. I'm not condemned by God, okay? But now, what I want you to see is how he describes those who have been saved. The, the second half of the verse, he says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So something spiritual has happened because by birth, we are in the flesh. And, and in the flesh, in the sense of we have a physical flesh and body here, but it's more than that. It's also the fleshly desires, which are not always wrong in and of themselves, but can become wrong when they, they move outside of the bounds of what God says is acceptable and right. Uh, and so we are naturally in the flesh and dead to God. But he says, those who, have, who are in Christ, those who have received Christ, now walk or live according to the spirit. So something has happened to us when we get saved. Before we were spiritually dead to God, but now we are spiritually alive because God's spirit has moved in, okay? 
And so, but the description of a genuine Christian, a Christian who is seeking to live for the Lord, is someone who isn't living according to the flesh, just what comes natural. No, we're living with the spiritual dynamic. The Holy Spirit is in that mix. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life, again referring to the Holy Spirit, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, so the Holy Spirit in me has freed me from all the controlling power of that. Now, I choose and you choose whether we cooperate with God or not, but on his side, he's done it. We are freed. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. So he took care of all of the the sin debt there. Verse four, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so it seems to me what he's telling us is when we get this right and we don't just live by what comes natural, we aren't living just by what we can see, touch, hear, and feel. We aren't living that way. Instead, we, we, we've made this connection with God in the spiritual realm. What happens? He says the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled. So when I live my life according to the Holy Spirit and according to the truth of, of my relationship with God in the spiritual realm, when I live that way, I live right. I do what's right. I don't have to worry about having a law to follow. I'm following the Lord as he leads me along in the things of God. And so here's the first thing I really want you to understand this week about this, that the Christian life is inseparably intertwined with the unseen spiritual realm. Inseparably intertwined. If you are a Christian, you, you have the spirit of God living within your spirit and there's an inseparable intertwining, okay? You as a Christian are always impacted by the spiritual realm in one way or another. Let's go to Galatians chapter five, page 1341. Galatians chapter five. Now this whole book, this whole letter, the apostle Paul is, is, is really uh, trying to straighten out a wrong belief and that's that somehow or rather we get right with God by how we live our lives we have to earn it. We have to do these works and follow these rules. And he keeps saying, no, 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 it's by grace. It's by faith. God has settled that. God took care of that problem. And now he begins to function on the practical way. How do we live this out then? So we start in verse number 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So right there, we have this contrast. We have the lust of the flesh. Those are natural ways to live. And and sometimes those desires of the flesh, like I said, become sinful when they press out beyond what God says is good and right and acceptable. But he says the key to being able to say no to those things and to not do the things that are, are wrong is to walk in the spirit. Now, just let me say, I, when um, we start thinking about the spiritual realm, sometimes things are out of focus. <laughs> When we think about saturating ourselves with the word of God, right? We can kind of see that. We, we can read it. We can think about it. We get that. We know that. Uh, even though there is a spiritual dynamic, but we can see it. When we talk about getting together with the people of God and sharing our lives together and studying the word together, we, we can see that. When we talk about connecting with God in the spiritual realm, right? 
I mean, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you've heard those words and you go, yeah, 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 I, I know what you mean. But in reality, that's kind of out of focus for us, isn't it? And so we need to bring that into focus. And this is what he's saying. If we will walk in the spirit, which means how we walk through life, how we live our lives. And if we will live our lives with the spiritual dynamic uh, controlling us, then we will do what's right. We won't do what's wrong. Does that come easy? Let's read on. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so there's this battle and this struggle back and forth between the spirit and we have to choose to cooperate. We choose to cooperate with one or the other. We either choose to go along with the lie about the flesh and, and what doing our things our own way is gonna do for us and we're gonna see in just a moment where that leads us or we choose to yield ourselves to God and cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he leads us in a different way. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. We already saw that in Romans, that when we walk according to the Spirit, we do what's right. We don't have to worry about the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. And so here he's gonna go. He says, if you let your life be governed by the flesh, here are the places it will lead you. If you get on this bus, on this train, here's where you're headed. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, that means sexual immorality, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Then there's more. The list would go on. Now, is that what you would like to have on your resume? How about your gravestone? No, we know this is, this is an ugly list, isn't it? But I want you to see when we live our lives contrary to God's ways, it gets ugly and brings death. In fact, he continues verse, um, the rest of the verse, he says, of which I tell, you, I, I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, someone who can just live these ways, no struggle and just live it, they don't know the Lord. They're not making it, they aren't saved if people can just live that way. Because the, the, the Christian will have a struggle, right? There's a struggle, there's a pull from the spirit and a pull from the flesh and they will struggle, okay? Then in verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the spirit, what the, the spirit produces when we walk in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, right? These are all good, holy, and right. Um, if someone asked uh, um, about you, would you like it if people came up with these things? A loving person, a joyful person, a very peaceful person, a gentle, kind, right? So these are the good things that walking in the spirit will produce in our lives because there's a spiritual dynamic that will produce these things. Verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, when Jesus died for us and we're united with him in his death, these things have already been in essence uh, overcome. They've already been defeated. The victory is available to us already. Jesus has already dealt with it on the cross if we will trust him and walk with him. Then he says in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk 
in the spirit. And we'll stop there. Where did your spiritual life come from? From some work that you can do? Your spiritual life come from anything you could earn? Flesh? Nothing, right? It comes from God, the Holy Spirit. And so since that's where your life comes from, live your life in a manner that's spiritual. Okay, that the Holy Spirit can work in or through, in and through. Um, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, he writes a bunch of stuff about our relationship with Christ, awesome stuff, and about the church. And then he starts talking about some very practical things, things we need to avoid, ways we need to live. And he goes on and on. And right in the middle of those things, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And I'm going to go back in just a minute, Dan, okay? He said, be filled with the Spirit. And so, for us to be able to live this life, the Christian life, the real Christian life, the way we need to get connected with God in the spiritual realm. Not just trying to in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. So go back to that, Dan. Here's what we need to understand. Go back to that previous one, thank you. Connecting with God, okay? Connecting with God in the spiritual realm is essential to living life as a Christian. It's not an option. I mean, you can try to live as a Christian and not, not connect with God in the spiritual realm, but it's not gonna work. If you're gonna get it right, it is essential that you connect with God in the spiritual realm. So then we talked about being filled with the Spirit. And so the question then is, how do we do that? Right? How do we do that? Well, I want to use just a little word picture with you here today. Uh, when I was uh, going to the University of Missouri, I lived at home uh, for a couple of years during that time. My parents lived on a lake and we had a small sailboat. And so I could go out on the lake and sail. And I learned something about that sailboat. That if you get out on the water, you push away from the dock. That if there's a wind blowing, it'll blow you. I mean, before you ever even do anything, you haven't even put up the sails yet. But if you want to go someplace on purpose and you want to move faster than that, you have to put up the sails to catch the wind. All right? Now, in the Greek language, it's interesting that the word that's translated spirit is the same word that's translated wind. They're talking about wind, it's the same word. And so the idea what we want to think of is that the Holy Spirit is, is there's that spiritual realm where the Holy Spirit doesn't work. And what we want to do is, is somehow or other put up our sails spiritually to catch that wind. And let the, so the Holy Spirit can move us along. So the Holy Spirit can fill our lives and work in us and not just in us, but overflow into the world around us. So how do we do this? How do we put up our sails? Well, if we look at Bible examples, we see like Moses. Moses spent time in the tabernacle with God and it really changed him and affected how he, he lived and he went out into the world and talked to the, uh, the people of God. And then the Bible tells us that when Moses would go out of the tabernacle to talk to the people of God, that Joshua remained behind and lingered in the presence of God. And it changed Joshua so that Joshua becomes uh, this great leader for Israel in this next generation. 
Uh, we see King David who, who spent time in the tabernacle with God, but more than that, he spent time consciously in the presence of God out in the fields, under the stars, as he lies in his bed, and he talks about connecting with God in the spiritual realm. And we have all, a whole book of poetry that, that he wrote, all, probably close to the majority of that. And Solomon, he also sought the Lord and wanted what God's best is. And he enters into the presence of God and experiences that. Uh, the Son of God himself, Jesus, what does he do? Human being, no sin, but he on purpose from time to time pulls away and goes away to get by himself and spend time in the presence of God, connecting with his heavenly Father in the spiritual realm. And the Apostle Peter, if you remember, he was in the presence of God. Uh, on purpose, spending time there uh, when God gave him this vision and revealed to him and it led to him going and sharing the gospel with the Gentiles and I'm saved today because of it and so are you. And so what we see is that it, the example of the Bible is that when people connected with God in the spiritual realm by on purpose spending time with him. And so if you get nothing else, this is what I want you to get, that you need to purposefully spend time Connecting with God in the spiritual realm. On purpose, connecting with God in the spiritual realm. Now, again, in the spiritual realm starts to be a little bit fuzzy to us, but I want to uh, do something for you today. I want to uh, demonstrate to you connecting with God in the spiritual realm. Now, this chair is a very special chair to me. Um, this is a dining room chair, and this is the chair that I sit in most mornings and connect with God in the spiritual realm. And I'm going to show you some ways that I do that. Um, doesn't have to be in this chair. There's nothing. This is wood, right? I mean, it's not a magic chair or anything like that. Uh, but it's, it, it means something to me because of what happens when I'm sitting here with God. Now, so we want to talk about purposefully spending time connecting with God in the spiritual realm. You know, when do you do this? When should you do this? Well, a quick answer is do it when you can. Do it when you can. Do it when, work, what, when it works for you. I'll talk a little more about that in a minute. If you're a young mom, you have a bunch of little kids around. I don't, I, you know, I don't know if any of you like that today, but it's... Uh, it can be really hard. You remember having all the little kids around, or if some of you still do? It's hard. How, when do you find time to just set aside time and spend time, you know, connecting with God? Um, all I would say to young moms is, is, is just try to find some time. Do the best you can. Work out something with, with dad if, if he's around, or a friend, or whatever. Do what you can. Um, does, did, is God caught by surprise that you're in that situation? No. God knows. He knows that you're in that position. And so what you need to do is this. You just do what you can and trust God. By the way, that's a good way for all of us to live our Christian lives. Do what you can and trust God. God expects no more than that. But let me say this. He also expects no less than that. So we don't want to excuse ourselves. But do what you can. Now, for me, in fact, I remember in the years when... Um, I had little kids around. I had to get up earlier in the day to be able to find this time to spend connecting with God. And um, 
I remember early on, I, when I was really being purposeful in this, all of a sudden a little kid would come out. No, no, go back to bed. I'm not done yet. I was kind of frustrated. I what am I doing? Wait a minute, this is, you know, God knows this. And so what I started doing is I'd invite the child up into my lap. And I'd talk to God with him or her. Read the Bible with him or her. And sometimes they'd sit there the whole time, nice and warm and cuddly. Other times they'd get down and head off and do something else. But the idea is, don't let any of that stuff become a reason not to do what you can do. Get together with God. Now, for me, personally, I need to do this in the morning before anything else goes on. I say I need to. It's best if I do. That's what I should say. I can do it other times. And occasionally I find myself in a position where I have to, you know, later on in the day, stop and try to stop. Stop everything that's going on in my head and everywhere else. And anybody else ever feel like that? Stop, 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 stop. No, no. Um, and so I can do that. But it works best for me if I just get up, I don't even get ready for the day. All I do is make the coffee and sit down and have a talk with God. So what I want to do is, is demonstrate to you how this goes. And this is a little awkward, okay, I must say. Um, because, I, you know, it's usually just me and God. Not a bunch of people watching. Um, but that's all right. So it's just all just kind of go... This is okay, all right? Um, so I sit down with the Lord, and, and the, the chair's like this. This is the dining room table's back here, and this is where my sliding glass doors are. I look out in the back. I can see the trees, the squirrels going up and down, and the birds flying around, and that, that helps me. I, I can focus on the Lord there really well. Um, but I sit there, and then it just usually starts something like this. Good morning, Father. It's amazing, Father, that uh, you've worked in my life to bring me here today. I praise you because I look out here, Father, on creation here, and I think of what it takes for a tree to grow and all these and the plants and then the animals and then we think about the size of creation. I think about that, God, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm so small. And yet you know me. I praise you that you know me. You know me perfectly, Father. You know me so much better than I know myself. You know those places where I have fooled myself. You know, those places where I'm just not seeing it. And you know my heart, though, and, and you know my real desires are towards you and at the same time my struggles. And I, I, I praise you that you know me that way and that you still love me, accept me, and you haven't abandoned me. Now, just let me stop for a moment and tell you. I probably, as we go through this, I, I don't do as much talking like that when I'm sitting there with God by myself. But I kind of feel, sitting here with you, I feel a little compelled to, to talk a little more. You understand? But it's not unusual to sit there sometimes and just kind of chill. And sometimes my mind wanders. <laughs> sometimes my mind wanders and I realize, it's been 10 minutes, How I've been everywhere. Okay. Come back here. 
I used to be bothered by it, but I'm not bothered by it anymore. I just, it, just, it is what it is. God knows, right? And he knows that my desire is to connect with him in the spiritual realm here. It's not about even what I'm saying. It's just about him and me and drawing close to him as he promised he will draw close to me. Um, so I talk about that and then I, I'll continue usually toward the beginning. I say, say Lord, I, I need you to work in my life. I, uh, yeah, I need you to do things, Lord. Things I know, things I don't know. I, I, I confess to you that this week I did not uh, say no to things that I should have said no to. I, didn't take care of myself, I, I didn't make myself exercise, I, I need to do that, Father, and I need you to help me with that. I know you're ready and willing, and, and Lord, I don't know, I don't know where the balance lies here between what I expect you to help me with and what I just need to do, and, but I know that apart from you, I can't do anything, so work in my life. So I just go along with God on that. Sometimes as I'm going through these things, um, something will pop into mind. All of a sudden, someone will come to mind. I think, wow, I need, to, I need to reach out to that person. I need to see how that person's doing. And I have two concerns. One is if I keep trying to remember that, I won't be able to just stay connecting with God. The second concern is I'm going to forget it. And so what I'm doing these days is I just, I grab my phone and, and I have a place where I write those notes, okay, and, and contact so-and-so, and I put it back. Now, if, 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 you are, if you can't open up your phone without looking at Facebook, don't do that. Because <laughs> once you get there, you know, I mean, get a piece of paper or something. But the idea is, because here's the thing, if... if I'm going along and I'm trying to connect with God in the spiritual realm and, and all of a sudden this thought comes to my mind and it's a good thought and it's a thought that matches what the Bible would say. Could that be God? Could that be God prompting me to, I need to reach out to this person? Could that be God making me think, oh, you need to consider this issue? I think so, don't you? So I want to write it down. So, See, this is how we're interacting with God and connecting with God in the spiritual realm. Right? And so then at some point, usually I will begin thinking about my family. Um, I pray for myself. I pray for Glenda. Father, I, I pray um, that you would show me those blind spots in my life, that you would show me what I need to focus on now. that if I need some big breakthrough that you do that, or Father, if it's just a matter of just believing you day in, day out, and doing what you've told me to do, whatever, but I need you to work in my life. And, and then I ask, the, I ask the, usually the Lord to fill me with his spirit. Okay, now, again, I'm just being real open with you here. And I hope you don't go out of here saying that Walt's a little bit of a fruit loop. Because, but here's what I do. When I, when I ask God to fill with the Spirit, usually what I would do, I, honestly, I will sit back and just kind of relax your thing, and I will close my eyes and say, Lord, please fill me with your Spirit. And then I just kind of 
ponder and imagine him slowly but surely filling me to where my whole body is under his control. It's no magic thing and it's not, I, you understand, it's just, just helping me to say, wait a minute, stop. God, you fill me. Uh, and I'll say, Father, I pray for Glenda, Lord, please bless her, work in her life, help her to know you in ways that are just awesome. Use her, help her to see what she needs to see. Um, just do great things there, Father, and, and bring us together in a, in a greater, more intimate a way that you could use us together in very powerful ways. Father, I pray for my son Josh and his wife Melissa. I pray for each of them, Father, that they would know you. And, and let me just stop. I just want to say to you that usually, you know, I'm probably more talking to God like this. It's just with you here, I, I tend to. Father, I pray for Josh and Melissa that they would know you, that you would work in their lives, draw them close to you, that they'd know how to live that have your wisdom. Work in their marriage, Lord, to continue to draw them close to each other as they draw close to you. I pray that uh, you'll protect them in their relationship. Um, pray that you give them great wisdom in raising their children. I pray for Ashlyn, Lord. And um, I pray that she'll grow up to know you and love you and that what seems like a little goofy personality now that you'd use in very special ways. Pray for Carter, Father. I'll give his mom and dad the ability to figure out what to do with all his energy. Um, I pray that, the, that he, Lord, with his, his creative thinking in his mind, that he would yield himself to you and, and that strength, Lord, would be used in your kingdom. Pray for little Skylar. Lord, I really don't know her very well yet. But I pray, too, that you would work in her life to know you, love you, serve you. And, Father, protect those kids from the enemy. Please protect them from anyone who would want to come along and hurt them in some way. Oh, God, please do not let that happen. Sometimes I get emotional. Sometimes I don't. But then I just work on through, just pray for my kids and whatever God brings to mind because you know, sometimes I don't know what to pray for them but something will come to mind. Oh yeah, and I pray for them about that. Um, I think this is sort of what the Bible talks about, praying in the spirit, okay? Um, and so I'll pray on down through that. Now, let me say to you that the way I'm doing it right now, I'm not saying this is how you have to do it. That isn't my point at all. What I want you to see is that you need to connect with God in the spiritual realm, and you can. And, and you may do it some other way. You may do it more with your Bible in front of you. For me, as I'm going along, sometimes the, the, as the Lord impresses upon my heart, I'll, I'll pull my Bible over and open it up and look and start reading something and talking with God about it. And, and um, by the way, I get down to the end, I pray for you guys too. Pray for God's working, and, and sometimes he brings some of you to mind, and I pray for you specifically. Um, how long do you need to do this? I don't know. There's no rule. I find for me that generally, if, if I can spend an hour 
that I can usually have a really good time and feel like I have really connected. And my feelings aren't the important part, but I mean, experience the genuine having connected with God in the spiritual realm. This morning, just because of the nature of things and what I had to do, I, I ended up only having 20 minutes. It was a good 20 minutes. Good. I mean, all I can say is if you'll pursue God in this way, it will change you. Because you're connecting God in the spiritual realm, and then the spiritual realm, the more you do that, the more the spiritual realm infiltrates you and begins to fill you and work to where it grows out into your life. You see, the goal for us here is that we would learn to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And the idea is I think that we would walk through life. You know how I'm, I'm sitting here with the Lord and going through this with him? That we would learn to walk through life that way with an awareness, and that comes and goes, just like when I'm sitting here and my mind wanders, it comes and goes, but more and more our lives are marked. But here's the thing, that this praying without ceasing out here flows from here, flows from trying to have a regular, consistent time connecting with God in the spiritual realm. And you do that, it flows out in your life. But if this stops, praying without ceasing out here will slowly but surely dry up and go away and you'll get used to living on your own. You don't want to do that. And you say, well, Walter, all you were doing was praying. Yes, but I didn't want to say, you need to pray because you have this weird mindset, not all of you, but you, we tend to have a weird mindset. Oh yeah, I got to pray, what does that mean? Forget that, I want you to just sit down with God, stand up with God, walk with God, whatever, and become consciously aware of connecting with him in the spiritual realm so that it can flow in and fill your life. Because see, that's what prayer does. Prayer connects us with God in the spiritual realm. That's the only way you can pray. Connect with God in the spiritual realm. So let me read a passage of scripture to you and you can turn there as well. To, and we'll end with this. Second Corinthians chapter four. Page 1329, chapter four, verses 16 through 18. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. You ever lose heart? You ever feel like you're gonna lose heart? Yeah, and we don't wanna do that. If you lose heart, you're in trouble. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. In the spiritual realm, we are being renewed. Regardless of what's happening out here, we can be being renewed on the inside. And, and just as I said, that sailboat will blow in the wind without the sails up. God will be working to renew your inner man, even if you don't cooperate. But if you'll put the sails up, whoa. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so when we purposefully stop and spend time connecting with God in the spiritual realm, we are not looking at the things which are seen. We are looking into those things which are unseen. 
And the result is that we will not lose heart. And we will know God in ways we never knew him. And imagine a body of Christ filled with people who are filled with the Spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word that you speak these things to us. Help us to understand and remember that there is a spiritual realm where we connect with you and that if we'll do that, it will flow back out into this physical realm and how we live. Um, Lord, just burden us that we need to spend this time with you, that we would be willing, if need be, to make changes so we can grow like this. Um, you're so worthy of it. We're so needy of it. Please call us to it, and I pray, Lord, we will respond. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.